All right, office hours. What's happening? Welcome back, everybody. What's happening? We got Ashton here. We got What's David here. People? And we've Ooh, got... You're talking about yourself in the third person Right? Now. Ah, I just became Ooh. that guy. Yeah, you're going to be like... Before you know it, you're going to be that prolific enough where you're like, I'm just Patino now. Yeah. I go by Patino. Patino's here. Hey, everybody. Patino. Ooh. Patino in the room. Ooh. <laughs> like Yanni. I wish. I've got the mustache. Share. <laughs> I need the long flowing uh, hair. Oh, well. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Maybe in your next life. Well, welcome back. What's happening with you, man? Oh, uh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I feel like, you know, just still living that quarantine lifestyle. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But otherwise, good, you know? I feel like... I, it's starting I'm, to come I'm back in, around. Yeah, I think people are starting to come out from under uh, from under the, the, the rock and, you know, we're slowly fit, feeling out what's going to be next. Like, I'm actually, um, you know, I, I work with a, a really talented print producer um, and she, you know, she was, she's been doing, like, new certifications for, like, OSHA compliance for like safety. Oh, interesting. In our post, our post COVID world uh, for production. So like it's been a, it's been like a drinking from the fire hose. You know, like she went off to the the seminar and she learned a bunch of really interesting and like very helpful, useful things. And like I've been like getting schooled on like all the new stuff that we're all gonna have to adhere to and like take into account for for making sure everyone's safe when we do work, which is super helpful that's I mean, super I think, like, helpful holy shit yeah yeah i know it's and it's gonna be really weird i think it's gonna be really weird for i mean it's the this will be it for a while until we figure out what's next but like um i'm optimistic i'm feeling i'm feeling good that like now we have processes there's you know there's talk about how it's gonna work yeah um and you you are you're a great example of this you're 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 booked getting there you're booked next month <laughs> yeah june is coming in already um and and there's talk about either maybe next week or the following week on some other stuff um and not in my studio either out out in the world um yeah. my wife is leaving uh well by the time this airs she'll be gone already um she's heading down to florida to start up work on another job down there she'll be down there for a week so you know i think it's um i obviously i think that the more rural you go the more lenient and kind of the more regular everything is just because there's less people around, you know, I mean, you're obviously in a suburb of Atlanta. I'm like 40 minutes outside of Manhattan in the thick of it. And like, so things are a little bit different up here, but I talk to people out in, you know, even just another hour West out into Pennsylvania. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like they don't have half the shit that we do, or, or maybe they just don't care enough. I don't know. But, you know, I think it's, it's dependent on where you are in the world and, you know, how things are going that week. And, it's not going to be cut and dry. I think it's going to take some time to, you know, there might be a little flare up here or a little flare up there and we're going to have to deal with that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, one of the big things I've been doing is trying to figure out like, okay, if, you know, if people are coming into the studio, you know, how, how do I take care of that? And, you know, mm -hmm. part mm -hmm. of that's just not letting them run all through the studio. Cause you know, last thing I want to do is clean the whole damn place, but you know, <laughs> keep, keep your hands to yourself. Keep them quarantined. Keep them. <laughs> Keep your hands within the, the the confines of the car. We should get like a yeah. like a like a train track. You yeah, know, just to keep your hands inside the vehicle. I want like a no, what it, are those it, little baby crib things that they have? Those you know the portable pack and play. That's what I need. Yeah, I need there pack you go. and play there you go. for you adults. Pack and play for the clients. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, no, you're right though. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. And I, I don't know. I I I 
I look at all of these as very interesting and unique challenges, but I look at them optimistically and like, this is how, you know, we're going to be able to move forward and we're going to be able to continue to make the things that we were, you know, put here to do. I'm thinking very, very like high head in the clouds right now. But you know, we're problem solvers, you know, that's inherently what we do. We, we solve problems for our clients. And I think the world, um, the world will continue to spin. It's going to move forward. And, you know, we, are going to be there to help help figure out what that looks like, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think importantly so yeah. is to, you know, there's, is to be able to help, you know, help out other photographers and other creatives and whatever, whatever the hell it is, you know, is to, I, I think part of what you're going to see come out of this and is that you're going to see, find groups of people who start working together or start helping each other out or, you know, lend things or whatever. It's just, the, you're not going to get through it on your own is my point. Yeah, you know, you're definitely yeah. not going to get through on your own, and even if it's just a matter of picking up the phone and chatting with someone for a couple hours, and you know, bouncing ideas off each other. I mean, that's you know, sitting at home by yourself and and thinking that you have all the answers is a surefire way, surefire way to fail miserably. Agreed. And I mean, I'll even say the other op- the opposite of that, like thinking that you that you're hope you're helpless and you can't do anything. Oh yeah. You know, that's also destiny, destiny for failure. So, like, reach out to your network, reach out to your people. You know, I, I think, you know, for all the folks out there in creative land, like, if reach out to your friends and see how they're doing, see how they're feeling, all that good stuff. Because, you know, at this point, you know, we're all going to need each other. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, onward we go. There you go. That's so, it. I think we're going to keep the intro short today because... We have a hell of a long interview that just happened. Yeah, this was a good we one. We did another. I mean, we're, like, we're into this thing where we record the interviews and then we come back and do the, do the intros after the fact. But, but that's okay. But we just had a killer conversation uh, with our guest, and you're going to hear all of it uh, in its entirety, just because he's just one of those guys that uh, he's a camera guy. Bottom line, yeah, <laughs> you know, like uh, down, downright. He's. A, I say this with all the admiration and 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 respect in the world. He's a camera nerd, and yeah, gosh, we we love those. So, so um, here you go. Here's the Anthony Festa interview. Enjoy. Done. So on the program today, we have a guest, which makes our lives easier. We love having guests. On. Oh yes, but we love, love having guests. I love on someone on the guest mic that have a lot yes. to say too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, so if you've been one of the few, one of the small handful, I'm just gonna call it that small handful of folks that have said, "Hey, man, hey guys, photographers love the love the podcast. We listen, yada yada yada." You don't talk about gear enough. Stuff. Stuff. Stop you with your stupid stuff creative stuff. Yeah, <laughs> stop with this 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 witty banter of creativity. We want to talk more. <laughs> we want to talk about more about stuff. Well, today's your day. We got it. We got the guy. We got the guy. We have Anthony Festa <laughs> on the program today. Welcome. Howdy, everybody. How are you, buddy? Oh, thanks for having me. I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. You yeah, know? right? It's a weird time, <laughs> but we're good. I think, um, so I've known Anthony for, uh, I want to say two years now? Yeah, about, about two, two years, years I think. About right. um, yeah. yeah, there was a small event that happened at my studio that I didn't really have a lot of control over. And he was there. He was he was one of the sponsors <laughs> of the event. Um, yeah. yeah, we did a phase one event here, and and Anthony works at uh, PhotoCare in New York City uh, for all of your photo needs. And um, yeah, and he was here. And then we had dinner, and then we stayed in touch. And since then, he's taken all of my money, and um, <laughs> and yet I still like him, and we and we chat. So 
<laughs> Anthony's got his pulse on every or his finger on the pulse of everything photo related, and so I think I think it's going to be a fun time today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and what was even crazier is in our in our pre roll banter, it it turns out that I've actually potentially maybe you've known almost, anthony longer than i have cer- almost certainly <laughs> have met anthony when he was uh, a, a digital tech over at uh, capture integration which is my rental house here in atlanta Amazing. so <laughs> there's like a real high possibility like i'm like 95 percent certain that we've sh- shook hands you've showed me things yeah. probably rolled your Don't. eyes at my stupidity <laughs> like this guy <laughs> there's got there's like there's a high probability that that's actually happened <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's, it's quite possible. It's quite possible. So you're you're what? You're in New York, right? Yeah, I live in Queens. So I'm, uh, for those of you that know the area, I live in Richmond Hill. If you don't right know on. the area, I'm kind of close to where JFK is. Uh, so if I take the subway to get into Manhattan at PhotoCare, uh, which is in the Flatiron District, it takes me about an hour and 10 minutes on the subway system. So I'm out here. Yeah, you're out. Holy cow. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So, and you haven't been at work in how long? Oh, well, last day of work was March 20th, but I've been working out of my makeshift office right here ever since. Nice. So nice. while we stopped down store, we stopped store operations, um, most of the sales, rentals, all that's done uh, for right now. We've kind of shifted gears in order to serve the community, and we've been doing um, all kinds of educational events, you know, capture one trainings online, yep. hardware demos online. And uh, we're actually rolling out next week, a whole artist talk series where we sit down cool. kind of like a happy hour type situation, five o'clock in the evening cool. hear from artists about their work and experiences. So we're just, we're still trying to keep things going keep, keep everybody informed with that kind of stuff. That's awesome. I, 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 I yeah. love finding out what, what businesses are doing to kind of like, just figure out how to stay afloat and stay alive. And, and, and the ones that are just like, well, I'm not allowed to be open are fucked yeah. and they're going to be fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like, I, so that's, it's good to hear that you guys are, uh, you know, figuring out a way to stay in front of people and, and, and help out, you know, one way or another. So kudos to well, you guys. I've always appreciated that about like, you know, and I noticed this when, it, when I used to work uh, pretty often with uh, capture integration here in Atlanta. And I know that David has worked with you guys at PhotoCare a lot, but it's like, it's it's more than just the point of sale, right? Yeah. It's not just yeah. hey, come here and buy buy a camera or rent a camera. It's like it becomes almost like a hub for yes, that creative community, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and it's I don't know. It it's one of those one of those bits where I, that's what you're you're as a customer of those places, like that's what you're that's what you're paying for, oh, right? Yeah. Like you're paying for that extra element of you yeah. know customer service support and then the fact that you just know your shit, you know? It's like yeah. well. we'll see (laughs) (laughs) it's it's definitely photo care has definitely been that kind of place i mean it's it's been around for 50 years it's not a box mover it's not i need the cheapest you know memory card we're not that place you know but if you need to find somebody that's got experience on you know the oldest film camera or the newest digital camera we've got all of that under one house yeah and you're good at you're, you're good at delivering for yeah, sure. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. It's like that. Those are the. It's it's that it's that extra ten percent that makes all the difference. It's like when I say, "Hey, I'm going to be working on this project, and I'm going to need it." You know, I'm looking at an IQ three back to rent for the day. Like, is that going to be what I need? And yeah, you know, like yeah, maybe I don't know. Tell me what you're shooting. You know, and we we literally like dive into it. Yeah, or it's yeah, like, that's, hey, that's, that's, 
Well, tethering into capture kind of, one, like what do I do? Like how do I get this this crop thing to do what I want it to do? And you go, well, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Fix the way you work. You know that, that kind right. of thing. Right. It's 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 all of that. It's uh you know we've got a separate rentals department from sales, and uh, I thankfully no longer have to deal with rentals anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I spent enough years in the rentals game yeah. that uh, I'm I'm excited to be back where my my strong suit is, which is which is technical support. Cool. Technical support and training is 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 the lead things in my title for photo care. I also do a, a bit of sales, but um it's not like I'm out running out knocking down doors that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's it's as a byproduct of the other end of it. Super cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've spent 17 years in the photo industry. Uh, I've been using uh, phase one products and capture one since the beginning of that. Um, so since 2003, when I started, I uh, started with like scanbacks. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I graduated uh, high school uh, with the intention of becoming a history teacher because I've always loved history um you know specifically american history because american um (laughs) (laughs) that was that was a game plan like i i had went to my local community college with a joint admission at uh suny albany uh in the history program and that was going to be it and i had to take an art elective and uh i had to take drawing and i had to take something else so i was like i bet you i could pull off photography so you didn't start till college i didn't start photography till college that's amazing um yeah, and uh, you know, my dad still had his Canon uh, FTB QL that he brought home from Vietnam, and um, that became uh, the camera that I learned on. Wow! And in short order, I fell in love with photography, and I had an amazing uh, professor in community college who really like sparked that love. And my parents were kind of like, when I decided to change schools, I wound up going to SUNY New Paltz. Um, you know, little state sure. state university in New York, um, with a very small but nice photo program. And my parents were like, "What are you going to do? How? Are, what are you going to do as a job with that?" I was like, "I don't know. I'll figure it out." Because you know, I'm 20 at the time, and sure, I was like, "Who cares? Ah, who cares? Yeah. Who thinks about?" I got it? other things to worry about. <laughs> and um, so I did. I did all that, and um, wound up, <clears throat> you know, the first month after graduation from school, working construction. <laughs> with some friends at home, you know, getting tan, getting 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 ripped, you know, <laughs> lifting stuff, building stuff, demoing stuff. And um I happened to reach out to a friend who had graduated New Paltz. She had graduated a full semester before I had. Okay. And she was working in-house at the Macy's advertising studio in Brooklyn. And uh she's like, "Oh my gosh, they're actually looking for uh, a photo assistant right now. And I went in and I interviewed and I nailed the interview. And, uh, you know, I was hired as an assistant, but I essentially was a junior photographer. I had my own four by five camera. I had my own phase one power phase FX scan back, had my own shot list for the day, but they paid me like I was an assistant (laughs) 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 because those were my main responsibilities and roles. Like I pulled all the merch for my photographer. I put everything back. I helped build the sets, but I also had to get my own stuff done, but that's where I started to learn it. And, um, you know, this was early on, like most jobs at 2003 were still filmed for a vast majority of the industry. But because I was at Macy's and, you know, they had volume and they had figured out what was the best, you know, cost uh, 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 savings measure, they had went digital for their still life early. 
because they could. Wow. You know, with with a scan back that was capturing a full size image in about forty five minutes, we got three <laughs> shots done a day. But that that was all they needed. Right. You know, back in the day when catalog shooting didn't take very. You know, they took as yeah, long yeah. as they needed. To. Um, now we do uh, yeah. 20 shots a day or 40 shots a oh, day. Yeah, right. 60 shots How many, a day. It's, uh, 60 a day. Oh, wait, you can't do those extra five? Yeah, right. Amazing. Exactly. So, um, I, you know, it, it, I spent a good, I spent two years there and uh, enjoyed it, but kind of got it in my head that maybe I'm not going to be a professional photographer. Um, okay. This is what I want to, <laughs> this is what I want to know. This is what I love about people like you. It's like, like, <laughs> You went to school. You did the degree. You're 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 yep. totally. You're like the biggest camera nerd I know. But you decided <laughs> at some point, and I mean that lovingly, and and with yeah, I'm yeah. a little jealous. <laughs> but like you decided at some point, I don't want to make my living taking pictures. But I'm going to take more pictures you know than fucking anybody else. <laughs> right. And at, at that point, I didn't feel like I had a strong enough portfolio to pursue being a still life photographer. And I think the reason that what, what I think the groundwork had already been laid in my head that I just didn't have the passion for making those kinds of images, mm-hmm. but I love the technical side. I love the gear. I love oh, the yeah. cameras. I love the equipment. And I was trying to figure out what my next step from, from Macy's was because while it was fun and the people who worked there were great and the photographers that had started as an, as assistants back when it used to be located out in Jersey in Newark, um, you know, they had all stayed and had great jobs and were promoted and all that. I had to have two jobs to pay rent at that point, you know, um, because my rent had gone up. It was, I was living in Brooklyn, you know, the outskirts of park slope. I, I, I worked a part-time job in the evenings, you know, photographing things for, for eBay and listing them on eBay for, for (laughs) a place. And I just couldn't do it because I'd work my full day, ride my bike to the other job and then come home at 9 PM. Uh, so I started looking at options and I talked to one of the, one of the ladies who had, she was about the same age as me. She had been there as assistant. She had just quit and was actually working at industrial color as a producer. Mm -hmm. Um, and had mentioned, why don't you look at becoming a digital tech? You're technical savvy. You like equipment. Uh, you're good with computers. Why don't you look into that career path? You already know capture one. And, um, so I was like, Oh, that sounds cool. And I started looking to see like where I could do that. And she actually sent me a job listing that wound up panning out. And I got a job at Splashlight oh, sure. Studios back in the day when they were on 35th Street between 10th and 11th. Mm-hmm. So Splashlight back then is different from Splashlight today, uh, in my opinion. Right. Uh, they, had, they were studios with different focuses, yeah. right? So back then, they had a massive studio. They were trying to compete with Milk, Pier 59, Industria to capture that advertising job type client base yeah. so big column free spaces high ceilings they had an outstanding digital capture department and i was brought in as a junior tech to work uh, uh the e-commerce sets so i cut my teeth there as an actual digital tech now having used capture one for two years at macy's did not necessarily a hundred percent prepare me for what was going to happen at Macy's because working capture one in a still life environment versus now working it in an on figure fashion, yeah. e-com uh, environments completely different, Nine, but I had, the, I had enough of the intelligence and the, 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 the get up and go and knowledge that the person interviewing was like, yeah, you'll do fine here. And I did do fine there. I actually did fantastic. Now, did you realize, <laughs> like, did you realize this on your own at any point where you're like, wow, I'm, you know, I'm pretty savvy. I'm, I, you know, did you think to yourself, like, I have a place in this industry? 
I don't know if that thought ever crossed yeah. my mind. I always I just figured I would somehow be could somehow be in the industry. Yeah. So it was never necessarily like, oh, I've got a place. But I was like, oh, I could totally do this. Right. And, you know, it was like it was like that bridge. It was like, you know, at Macy, I was like, oh, I can lift stuff and put things away as an assistant. <laughs> and then it was, oh, I know Capture One. I can become a tech. And then I became a tech. And I was like, oh, I could run this department. Yeah. And I did. So what I wound up happening in short order at Splashlight was um, they were going to be opening their Miami offices. And they needed a digital tech to go down there. And because I had some characteristics that made them think I could run it successfully. And also I didn't have as many strong relationships to the advertising clients mm. that New York had that they felt it was okay to send me down to Miami because for the e-commerce stuff, you could just interchange anybody. Sure. It didn't matter. Uh, but I actually went down to Miami, set up the Miami studio, started training the local Miami techs that we were going to be hiring, ran that, Came back to New York after four months in Miami. Tannest I've ever been in my life, by the way. Uh, you know, four months working jobs in Miami in, uh, you know, December through um, through March. Perfect. Uh, so, yeah, I was Snowbird action. Woo, it was great. Uh, but, but you're a you New know, York guy. I, like, I feel like you're a New York oh, yeah. guy, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and uh, we'll get to that yeah. part, too. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I wound up. Not too long after that, being given the response of being promoted from just being, you know, digital tech to digital capture manager. So instead of just going out on set, I actually coordinated all of these roles. Yeah. So this was right around like 2006. So this is when film shooters were just starting to go medium format with phasebacks right. or leafbacks. And some of my favorite things at that point in time was you know having that conversation like after the producers had kind of set the job up it would get transferred to me as the digital capture manager and i would discuss what were you shooting how are you shooting you know how fast do you need to shoot what kind of color profiles do you like what's your favorite film you know and um i would then based on all of that figure out all right this is the camera package for you and then i would based on having that conversation pick the right digital tech to fit with them. Interesting. And, you know, um, that shit that does was, not happen anymore. <laughs> no, no, those conversations don't happen anymore. And it's, it's a little disappointing. Um, but it also depends too, because when you come, when you come down to it now, if you're hiring a digital capture tech, yeah. that isn't one you already work with and you go to a company, uh, they're still going to talk to you, but their people are going to be pretty solid. Yeah. Um, uh, this was all brand new and trying to fill out those those roles sure. and responsibilities, relationships. Uh, you can still get a little bit of that level, depending if you go to like a company that has a staff right. of techs versus, you know, just hiring Jim with a your laptop. friend Bobby. Yeah. I, and I, I, you know, when people need techs, if they call me, I can set I can actually put them in the right direction. That's uh, and that does that does still happen because I have after years and years of training digital technicians uh, and working at a couple different places doing that kind of thing, I have a whole roster. So when somebody needs somebody, you know, if they want a nerd who doesn't talk, I can give them that. Right. You know, if they, <laughs> if, 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 if they need uh, somebody who's, who's bubbly, I can give them that too. You know, like I can go whichever route yeah. that happens less and less, right. but. Well, let's see, so let me ask you this, like totally driving yep. off topic. Do, do you find that, the role of a digital tech is disappearing as we progress here. Or Absolutely not. No, right? No. Okay. No. I think, unfortunately, the lines between an actual digital tech 
and somebody who can shuffle windows right. around and open capture one yeah. and start a session. So there's, there's two breeds. There's the digital tech who actually understands the software, yeah. mm-hmm. can troubleshoot the software, the hardware, the computers, rolls with everything. Yeah. And there's the person who has a laptop, knows how to open capture one, and can maybe reset a preference here or there. I can tell you when the There's pictures stop coming in. Yeah, <laughs> and hopefully they do right. that. Um, so those are like window shufflers. So there are still premier level digital techs that work mostly on the advertising jobs. Yeah. And then there's the people who can get you through on like the lookbook jobs and stuff right. like that. I still wholeheartedly believe in always hiring the person that is at the higher tier yeah. because they are worth it. Totally. Um, they, uh, they, without a doubt, are worth it. They're going to make or break your shoot because if you have a bad tech yeah. who doesn't know how to check your focus or doesn't know how to properly back up your files or troubleshoot anything, you might lose files and you never want to have that happen. Yeah. Well, and you know, like, I don't know. I don't think it's a secret that, you know, if, if you do, if you're a photographer and you're in this industry and you're doing this type of work, like you're tethered to a computer, yep. you know that tethering is like, it is the saving grace, but also the bane of our yep, existence. Sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, so if you're a photographer that hasn't worked with a premier level digital tech, right, the, yeah. the difference is this, when your, com- when your camera takes a dump on set, you got talent in front of you, style team to the left, client on the r- sofa on the right saying, what's going on? I don't see the iPad refreshing. And then your camera takes a dump for whatever reason. Yeah. Right. Instead of like, usually you'll freak out. You go, okay, this is all gone to shit. And now I need to start sweating. Versus yeah. if you have one of these people on your set that goes, yeah. no, 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 take a breath. Yeah, I got and you. they start, they just start doing things without you even asking. Start doing right? their because, job. They, right. they, because they <laughs> already saw it happening. They're like, oh, it's going down. Let's fix all these things. And then you're, you're back up and running and you're being your, your awesome self, kicking yeah. ass and making photos. But that's, that's the difference. That's absolutely the difference. And you should never have to ask a digital tech to get up and do those things. Like they, so they it just do it. Hardwired. It's, it's they instinctual. Do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And those are the kind of people that you want to hire. And if you don't have a digital tech like that, get in touch with somebody like me or, or a shop in your neighborhood that is like photo care yeah. and they will get you that right person. Like in Atlanta, you could go to capture integration and they will always put you with someone solid. Yeah. Uh, if you're my other favorite thing, sorry, I'm just going to throw this out. Cause I'm like thinking about like, when have I, when have I had my ass saved by a tech before? Um, <laughs> it's, it's nice to walk away from a shoot and you have a session or a catalog that's already been parsed out by skew or product. Mm. Like if you're shooting e-com, it's like, oh, yeah. we shot a hundred products, a yep. hundred things. Yep. And now instead of being like a, a, a D-bag and like going through with your arrow key hitting flags or right. stars, you got someone that already did all that for you. They've yeah. already been separated. They've been cataloged and backed yeah, up. And you're like, wow. That's how it should be. I just got like... <laughs> I just got like four hours of my life back. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's absolutely how it should be. Yeah. That's what a digital tech should be doing. I, 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 I am very passionate about proper digital techs and, pro- and, and working that way because I spent so many years doing it. And I spent years, uh, you know, training people. So from Splashlight, I first was promoted to digital capture manager. And then they gave me uh, the digital equipment department. Then they gave me the post-production department. And then... Um, you know, I had been there about three years. My wife's freelance career was, she was really trying to make a go of it on her own. And I was like, well, why should she hire a photo assistant or a digital tech? I can do that. Right. So I quit my job. Now your wife was a, this, a photographer at that time? or My wife is a photographer. That's actually how we met. Okay. We met at Macy's. Oh. Uh, she was Naughty. the photo assistant <laughs> across the hall. <laughs> you're, you're the, you're the suave looking, D, the, like the suave looking DT. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. 
you know? <laughs> um, so she, her, her career was starting to advance and, uh, it was the middle of, it was summer 2008. And I was like, sure, why not? I'll quit Amazing. and I'll work with my wife and pick up jobs with all my friends and oops. Nope. And <laughs> 2008 happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, um, that was, that was a rude awakening. Wow. And I had a couple of clients in the beginning who were still keeping me working. Then, you know, finally the shakeout from, you know, the, 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 the recession hit their clients too. And they lost work. And I somehow got extremely lucky and picked up another digital capture manager job in early 2010. Crazy. And I hadn't even heard about it being advertised. A friend of mine had interviewed for it decided he didn't want a full-time job and was like, you know who you need to talk to is Anthony Festa. And uh, he put me in touch. I reached out, sat down, and I had uh, an interview uh, with uh, Vision On, mm-hmm. which was one of the first boutique digital capture companies in New York City. So he was out there when, you know, in the, in the Wild West days, pushing, you know, CRT monitors around with big Jesus old G4 course. towers and and all of that stuff in the beginning. So he had had a very good company, very good client base, um, but he ran kind of under the radar with little um, uh, advertising and things like that. So it, it was a good crew, committed, uh, very loyal customers. I was there for about two years, and his business had unfortunately dropped off. So 2010, there were a lot of digital yeah. players out there, a lot of people willing to cut their rates, and he had lost a enough business that um they could run the studio without me the office without me oh man uh so i got laid off you know but that was at the time when um my wife was about to have a baby and she had a full-time job running a e-commerce studio in new jersey and um so i went home and i did freelance before the baby came and when the baby came i was stay-at-home dad right on. and that was gonna be the game plan yeah. like, i was gonna Take, take, make, you know, make Polaroid <laughs> images and, and, uh, hang out document life. Yeah, <laughs> hey, come on. Let's go for a seven mile walk today, kid. I'll push you around. I did that a couple of times. That's cool. Uh, it was great. But, um, after that, uh, you know, I kind of pre- previewed a little bit of this in the, um, in, uh, in our little preview, uh, beforehand. But uh, well, so what wound up happening is she got laid off from her job not too long after she got back from maternity leave. They wanted a change in direction. Right. Unfortunately, her 24-year-old boss didn't understand how photo studios are supposed to work. Happens. Um, yeah, it was cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> so she, uh, they clashed too much, so she let her go. Um, and so my wife became stay-at-home mom, and I went back to uh, send out that emergency text message. If anybody needs a tech or a photo assistant... Uh, Get out! I'm free right now. Gotta, <laughs> I'm free right now. And I got to pay for diapers, and you know it paid in spades because my photo family was like, "Let's make sure Festa gets all this work." Yeah. And I was working seven days a week at that point. Insane. And it just started wearing us out. And um, my wife is originally from Rochester, New York, so home of Kodak. And um, her family had offered us to move up there a couple of times. There was a house that wasn't being lived in that hadn't been sold. And they had offered it when the baby was born in the middle of the summer. And then again, after my wife lost her job, I probably freelanced seven days a week for a month before we really started to consider. Oh, wow. Yeah, we we started to consider it. And we're like, well, maybe. And then a friend was like, oh, I can get you a job at RIT. You know, somebody that was up there. And I was like, oh, that sounds sweet. Um, So we moved to Rochester. Wow. 
which was cool. And uh, I loved Rochester. Um, I photograph a lot of automobiles, and there's a lot of hot rod builders and a lot of car shows, and the car community is is crazy up there. Uh, so it's like this will be fun. And you know, this person said they can get me a job at at RIT, and that that'll work. And if it doesn't work, I can totally get a job. Why wouldn't a photographer in Rochester want to hire a New York City assistant? <laughs> that bit me in the ass. That thought process bit me in the ass. But uh, RIT didn't want to have anything to do with me because um, I didn't have an MFA and I wasn't an alumni. Oh, weird. Uh, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I had had, at that point, I had multiple years of experience. I had run two different companies training people, you know, young kids how to be digital techs, and they just didn't care uh if i had had been if i had had the mfa or been an alum they probably would have actually sat down and had a meeting with me but they didn't care wow um the local photographers um most of them were totally okay with just a pick this up put this down hundred and a quarter a day photo assistant that they hired out of the rit network yeah. uh none of them really use digital text except for, you know, the one guy who had the bulk of the work and he had an in-house assistant. Like, the guy was full-time for him. See, that's what happens the second you get out of a major market. The second you leave... Like, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure there are people listening to this right now that are like, what What the fuck is this guy talking about? Like, a digital tech that names all your files and does... Like, people don't understand <laughs> that. They don't... They just think, like, you hire an assistant, the guy moves a light stand, and then he goes and, like, sits in the corner and plays on his phone. But, like, there's a yeah. whole career path of this whole career path in major yeah. markets of never even lifting a light no. you know um, not your job but it is important to have done that yeah. you should I, I think all digital techs are better when they have worked as a photo assistant 100 yeah. um you know so i was up there I, I was able to connect with the one photographer like i mentioned and uh walter collie he was amazing uh he kept me working while i was there but uh not a lot of his jobs needed photo assisting so i wound up traveling back here to new york two weeks a month and i would couch surf or stay at my brother's place or stay at my friend's place where they had an extra room or whatever and pick up jobs wow. so you know my daughter was really young then so it's not like she really noticed that i was or wasn't there yeah uh so we could pull it off and that was how i had to pay my bills um but it just got to be too much to travel back and forth um being away from home uh, you know, trying to figure out how to eat, you know, while I'm living in, in somebody on somebody's couch right. and not, you know, be imposing, uh, all that stuff. Um, so I, I started trying to explore my network a little bit more and I had actually helped Walter get a digital back, uh, when I moved up there, it was the first thing I had actually done with him was help him buy, advise him on how to, how to get it, what camera to get and where to buy it. And I was, I was sure he was going to hire me for that job that he bought the camera for <laughs> And he hired me to come in the week before to show him how to use the camera and how to use Capture One because he had never touched either. Oh, my God. And then didn't hire me for the job. He was going to use his full-time photo assistant. Oh, God. And I was like, oh, this sucks. And um, I was like, well, that's a bummer. At least he paid me for, you know, the consulting. And uh, a week into that job with Capture One, his photo assistant quit. His photo wow. assistant had <laughs> never been on that kind of yeah. advertising job where – you start at 8 a.m. and you finish at 5 and you maybe get three shots a day done. He couldn't, he, he had realized <laughs> that maybe the photo industry wasn't for him at that point. Yeah. 
because prior to that, you know, Walter had been working on some amazing jobs of, you know, health, uh, healthcare stuff. He had a lot of clients that do that. And there, those are shorter shoots, shorter days. Yeah. Um, so this, th- this kid didn't want to do it. So Walter calls me the end of the first week on the job. He's like, so what are you doing for the next uh, five or six weeks? Jesus. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to have to check the calendar and move some things around and get back to you. And I didn't have anything to move around. Of course. Rochester had to work. But, uh, and that's, that's what started that relationship. Wow. But um, I had actually tuned him in to capture integration in Atlanta, Georgia, because I had dealt with Dave as um, – as someone running photo studios, you know, I, I, I knew who Dave was at Capture Integration. I knew how he treated his customers. And at the time, the other offerings in New York City for phase cameras, for me, weren't places where I would want to send Walter because I knew that the personalities wouldn't gel and I knew he would get the best uh, service at a CI. So I introduced him to Dave. Dave happened to come into town because he's an RIT alum and he wanted to meet me. He, well, he wanted to say hi to Walter. And he wanted to meet me because I had facilitated that whole thing. And we started talking and we continued talking after he went back to Atlanta and we continued talking for probably another six or seven months. And he finally offered me a job to come down to Atlanta and run his tech support. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had never done hands on tech support like this level, uh, you know, at the dealer level. I had always done tech support for Capture One and hardware on set. But this level, you know, different. And um, so I moved down. I lived there for two years, but it was a great experience. I learned a ton, realized I have a great aptitude for technical troubleshooting for these cameras. Uh, and um, I actually didn't have to deal with the software end of things much there uh, because they had a software guy. So I was the hardware guy. Um, and so I sat alongside Zach while he was still there. And then Zach left and I hired some other people in. And I, it's just both my wife and I are native New Yorkers. So New York didn't, uh, being in Atlanta just wound up wearing on us too much. Mm. Uh, we were away from our extended family. They couldn't see our, they couldn't see, you know, my daughter more than twice a year because, you know, we'd go up once they'd come down yeah. once either side of the family. So, um, I was just talking to a friend and he was like, Oh man, Hey, listen, I heard uh, fast Ashley studios is finally wanting to open a digital rentals department. Would you want to do that? And I was like, oh, man, I don't know who, who runs the studio now. And uh, it was a gentleman named Mike Abrego, who back when I ran Splashlight, I actually interviewed him to be a digital tech there and uh, failed him on the tech trial <laughs> because he just wasn't going to fit. He wasn't going to fit what we needed. Yeah. And I bounced a lot of people because, you know, I needed to make sure that who I had was going to be able to work um, appropriately for the department sure. and the needs. And, um, so I call him, I call, I, I get Mike Abrego's number and I was like, Hey man, it's Festa. And, Cause everybody, sorry. Uh, I referred refer myself as Festa cause all of my friends refer to myself by the last name. Um, uh, so that's just the way it works. Uh, so I, I call him and he's like, Oh dude, he's like, it's amazing. He's like, you heard that I'm, we're open and digital. I'm like, yeah. And I was like, I kind of want to hear more about it. And he's like, I got to tell you, man. He's like, when I wanted to create this role, I actually had you in mind for it. Interesting. He's like, that day that you interviewed me and told me I couldn't be a digital tech really helped me grow my (laughs) career because he realized where he needed to be, what he needed to do. So even though I didn't hire him, he had no resentment and he realized that I was seriously on top of what I was going to do and I wasn't just going to bring anybody in. Smart guy. Uh, Yeah. 
And so he hired, and you know, I think it took five months for them to actually offer me a job. And uh, oh wow, <laughs> uh, wound up moving back to New York to the apartment I'm in now in Queens, and um, started running their digital rentals department. And it was a one man operation for quite some time. Uh, so I put in a lot of really long hours and uh, a lot of late nights and weekends and trained up some of like the night guys or, or weekend guys to kind of cover some of the things that I couldn't do. But, you know, I get a phone call on a Saturday and have to rocket ship over to Brooklyn and take care of some thing or whatever. Yeah. Um, so were you there till the end or? I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were? So I was okay. in Fast Ashley's when it was still on 95 North 10th Street. Uh, so if, if uh, those out in listening land, um, Fast Ashley Studios was probably the first rental studio in Brooklyn. And it was okay. in Williamsburg, 95 North 10th, and it was legendary in the time for what it was. Uh, it started off with Todd Ashley, who um, was more interested in cars. So he bought cars from like the police auctions and stuff. And had them in the bays. So uh, the studio actually used to be a mechanic shop. I didn't shop. realize that's why there was always like cars and motorcycles and shit like that. <laughs> yep. That's cool. So there were always cars because Todd was buying the cars and flipping them. And then he found out he could make more, monies rent, more money renting them to productions. <laughs> and then uh, the production yeah. saw the space and was like, oh my gosh, this would be an amazing photo studio. Oh my God. So he built out the photo studio. Wow. Uh, Cars stayed for while he owned the place. The cars still stayed there because he still had his hands in. It. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, wow, you know, wow. I had one of my best friends was there, was hired by Todd, and uh, you know was working with Todd to like make sure the cars ran. You know, back in the day. <laughs> uh, so I was there through the old space. Uh, we they, we we had lost the lease on the old space. Uh, they wouldn't the the building owner wouldn't renew because it's Williamsburg sure. and it's prime real estate. Um, so we wound uh, we wound up having to build out. So I was there for the the new space that opened up, and then um, because Fast Ashley's had been owned by Industrial Color for so long, uh, they wanted to make a branding change because they were Industrial Color runs Smashbox Studios in LA. They did so well with reshaping that studio in LA. They wanted to keep the branding and messaging exactly the same and change the name from Fast Ashley's to Smashbox in Brooklyn. Oh. So that's how all that worked out. Um, and I probably, I stayed at the new space for maybe another six months or so after the, after the move. Okay. Um, I had, I, I always stayed in touch with my network from the phase, the, the working at capture integration days. So I stay, I stayed in touch with the phase one reps and all that. And I would always kind of ask and put it out there. Hey, you guys know anything. And then, uh, I won out of the blue one day, one of, um, one of my friends at phase one called and said, Hey, you know, we're going to be opening up photo care as a phase one dealer for the first time because they hadn't been. Right, It was all capture, uh, right? It was all care. CI up until then. It, 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 well, no, in New York city, it was uh, digital transitions. Oh, digital transitions. That's right. Yep. Digital transitions and Harwin camera. Harwin is two people who used to be at Calumet. Right. So, Back in the day, PhotoCare was just Hasselblad and Leaf Digital Backs. Oh, wow. Leaf Digital Backs were purchased by Phase yeah. One. Mm -hmm. So when Leaf stopped producing, there was uh, a little bit long and drawn out process, but they decided to take PhotoCare, who had done so well with Leaf, and open them up as Phase. And in order to be opened up as Phase, uh, you have to have a dedicated technical support person. And crazy. Yeah. 
my 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 phase one rep, good old Francis. Uh, he Francis. had recommended me for the job, and uh, you know I met with Jeff Hirsch, the owner of Photocare, and we had a bunch of really nice meetings, and then finally a bunch of more conversations, and then some negotiations, and I've been there for three years now. Amazing! Wow! wow. Yeah! Wow! Yeah! Well, well, like so for the uninitiated, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about like you know. For those that listen to Lance, like, yes, I have a Canon 5D Mark IV, or a Sony A7, A9, whatever, whatever your insert camera here thing. <laughs> when we talk about like, you know, when we talk about what Anthony does and why the need for tech support is so important, it's that with these digital backs, I mean, you know, there's a lot there. They're, I mean, they're, they come in two different pieces, three if you count the lens. Right. And then that's not even including what you string it up to when you tether. There's right. a lot of there's a lot of complexities to extract the most out of that out of that system that you know as a as a person that might own one of those cameras or rent one of those cameras you might know some of these odds and ends but you you're not fully ingrained and so these these technicians you know these professional support folks they they sit at the right hand of the camera manufacturer you know they have they have the engineers from phase on tap they 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 talk with them they work with them and so they know all of the technical details and how to troubleshoot all the things that might happen. Um, it's like imagine if you if you if you shoot Sony. It's like imagine having a guy that that literally works with the Sony engineering team that yeah. you can ask yeah. questions about like why does my camera not do this? So when we talk about like the level of support that Anthony kind of supplies or that he works on and that he's kind of built his career around, that's that's kind of the level we're talking about here. It's it's not just like a YouTube university or let me go search on, you know, <laughs> you know, on, on what do you call it? Uh, Luminouslandscape.net. It's like it's like, <laughs> no, no, no. We we have the actual engineering team from phase here and they've worked to train and un- help, you know, our technicians know the systems backwards, forwards, inside and out, you know, all that good He's stuff. He's a professional handholder. Yeah. <laughs> So when you're panicking and you're you're freaking out because yeah. your your phase back isn't connecting with the body, he knows why, yeah. and he can yeah. help you. He can help you get it back to normal without even thinking about it. You can see yeah, the panic I, in your face, and then he goes to to he'll basically rush to your aid. One of yeah. my favorite conversations I, mean, I, I ever had with Anthony was I called him. and I was like, I just I know that the camera's slow, and I know I need to slow down, and but I don't think the 150 millimeter is right for me. It just doesn't focus fast enough, and. I can't just do this. I can't, I keep getting out of focus pictures. I can't do it. And he was like, well, hold on, settle down. He was like, yeah, have you done this? You did this. You, yeah, 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 I did all that. And he was like, all right. And you've got the AF assist on. And I was like, the what? And he was like, when you, <laughs> when you push the shutter, the light comes on, right? And I was like, what light? And I'd owned the camera for a year and a half, basically. Yeah. And he was like, oh, okay. He's like, go into the menu, scroll down. To, eh, okay, here you go. Turn that on. And I literally walked into a dark room and the camera focused on like, whatever the hell I had pointed at. And I was like, fuck me. Did I really, like, well, did I really just spend a year not like turning the focus assist on? So it's guys like him that roll their eyes when I call. Well, and it's, you know, <laughs> the cameras are, they're like, they are Rubik's cubes, you know? Oh, they absolutely are. These, I mean, these camera systems, they have just as many complex uh, menu systems, if not more so, yeah. than all your other cameras and camera offerings. Uh, there's a lot more tech built into medium format cameras. You know, if you want to get real nerdy and nitty gritty, we could hash all that out, but that would probably be a separate <laughs> show. Um, it's, 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 I, I happen to more often than not remember every single one of those things because that's what my job is. Yeah. So I know how to get in, where to move it. Um, 
and and what buttons to think about. And because I'm not under the that pressure and stress, uh, I can more calmly and easily think about, okay, what else hasn't been done? What else can we do and, and get you there? And uh, generally speaking, David, when you call, I never roll my eyes. <laughs> generally speaking. Generally speaking. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because, like, I remember, I distinctly remember a time, and Anthony, you may have been the guy that helped me. That's the crazy part, which is, like, what blows my mind about how small our world is. But, like, I, I remember there was, this, and this was back when, I mean, the, the, the phase, the XF platform is incredible. Like, yeah. For the uninitiated, it is it is a supercomputer of a camera, which is why it's so expensive, which is why it's so amazing, and it, yep. it, and it produces hands down the best, the best resolution quality, hands down. You can't beat it. But a long time ago, in my my past life as an agency uh, uh, guy, like I, I used to rent the um, the D the six forty five DF, and the giant piece this of was shit. Like, it was a giant <laughs> piece of shit. So this was like <laughs> in all fairness at the time. At the time, well, it was it, at the time it was inc- like it was what you had to do. It was an old Mimia six forty five that they had like converted <laughs> to take digital backs, right. and you had this that, completely convoluted yeah. menu system that was like relayed in like r- like shitty digital letters. Totally. Yeah, and and so like and then you connect you connect the medium format back to it. And so I, I was working with the uh, at this point I was working with the P sixty five plus. Like I I freaking love the hell out of that back. That was a great but, back, but like you have this thing that doesn't really relay information with this camera that relays close to zero information. And so when something goes wrong, it just goes wrong. It's like, you don't know. It doesn't tell you what's wrong. wrong. It doesn't say like, like (laughs) when you're when like your Sony a seven three shits the bed, it goes, please turn off and remove battery. You're like, Oh, okay. I can do that. This, the camera just stops working. And when you have like, at this time, like you're holding this thing and it goes, no. So yeah, I mean the six forty five. it used to be a film camera and they just, through more electronics and more electronics and more electronics at it. And uh, yeah, to be a, to be a wizard on that system and, and be able to troubleshoot that it, I, I mean, somebody, I somebody would call up an error and I'm like, it's this, you know? <laughs> well, and it, it, it took like, okay. So the, 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 the back took, uh, it, it took a, what is it? And, and no, it was an N, it was an LP battery, right? I, it was actually Phase's proprietary battery, okay, but it was so, a lithium-ion battery. Yeah. Yeah. So look, like, yeah, it had its own battery, and then the the six forty five took like a carriage of double A's. It was like four, or it was a ton of double A batteries. Oh, six, 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 double A's. And I remember distinctly, like I ha- I, was, I remember sitting on set, and I had a full team of like hair and makeup people. I had a, two clients sitting on the sofa. You know, I'm like I'm like tethered in, and then this thing shits the bed, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And so, like, I remember calling Capture Integration, yeah. and it, it probably, I, I swear it was you probably that helped me do this. You were like, <laughs> press this button, hold this button, turn this thing, remove the battery. And it was like all of the, this oh, yeah. conjecture yeah. of, like, it was like a yeah. magical spell. It was like Nintendo yeah. shit. Up, yeah. up, down, and, down. <laughs> yeah, Capcom code, up, up, down, down. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the thing works again. So, like, I, the, like that kind of stuff, like, you only know that if you're just in the nitty-gritties if of it. If you do it oh, eight I, times a day. I, 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 and I will say that, oh, yeah, I mean, that's all I did yeah. all day long was I answered those questions because yeah. uh, we were one of the few places in the country that were known and recognized as experts in it. And uh, it, it's it, it, I will say that the new uh, XF is a whole lot more stable than that. Oh, yeah. Was. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, they're they're incredible now. They're incredible. Now, 
now I spend more time uh, reviewing features that will help people and, and saying, oh, you know, you're not getting these results. Like with David, like turn on the focus. Yeah, the light. <laughs> you know, like all of those kinds of things, because you forget yeah. or if you rented it, you would have never known or you'd think it's silly because why do I need a focusing light? No, definitely put it on because it helps. Yeah crazy so um, real quick because this is so yeah. it, it, we're kind of up to current day now in your life and and like yeah. you have this ungodly technical side i mean it's what you thrive in right it's and it's yeah. god bless you for it <laughs> but on the day-to-day -day basis what yeah. do you go out and shoot with yourself yeah what do i shoot with technology wise or what do i shoot subject matter wise technology wise you know let's talk, let's talk to kit yeah. the man that has kit. access to the ferraris of camera yeah. <laughs> So if we are talking most average days uh, today, if I were going to work today and it wasn't these strange, crazy times in my backpack would be three cameras. <laughs> I would have um, my Fuji uh, X-H1, mm -hmm. which is an APS-C size Atta camera. Boy. <laughs> Fuji camp. Yeah. Um, which is funny because I've gone from being Canon fanboy uh, up until I got to PhotoCare, and then the 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 Fuji guys. Everybody at PhotoCare owns a Fuji. Everyone, every Funny. single person in there, other than like maybe Tommy and Glenn, but everybody on the sales side owns a Fuji Funny. camera. In your and, Leica owning face, David Patino. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I I would bring the XH1, and I, I went back and forth on that camera. Um, as to whether or not I wanted it or wanted to get like the X-T3, which had the better autofocus, I wanted to learn video. So mm. at body was in-body image stabilization. Um, you know, oh, Anthony, you could have got a Sony. That's got IBIS as well, and it's full frame. I was like, yeah, but I hate the Sony menu system, and I'm not a fan of the Sony color. Horrible. Um, I carried, I used to carry with me an RX100 Mark III mm -hmm. as my point shoot for years and um, it broke for the second time while I was at PhotoCare, and I had had bought one of those uh, Mac warranties. Yeah. So you know, you just send it in, they fix it, and you don't worry about it. And so I sent it in. I was like, ah, it's a bummer. I don't have a point and shoot. And my Fuji rep, Brandon Remler, uh, don't know if you've ever met him, but he's amazing. Uh, he was like, oh, oh, you don't have a point and shoot. And he, the next day, he comes into the store and he slides me a Fuji X70, which is their APS-C fixed lens point and shoot. Mm -hmm. And I remember trying the X100 when it first came out and was just kind of like, meh. Yeah. And the X70 is like the baby version of that. Mm -hmm. And um, I, when I actually spent time with it, using it, I was like, oh, man, like these files are great. And then I started looking at the actual file itself. And I have never experienced um, a raw file where I could pull so much information back out of my blacks as I could with the Fuji files. And it has everything to do with the X trans sensor technology that they've built. So I was like, man, I'm, I, I got to get this camera. So I wound up getting the X 70 from him and uh, I still have the RX 100, but it sits in the closet. Right. Um, so the X 70 was my carry camera for a while until I got the XH one. I've got a 23 millimeter F two lens. That's the only lens I own right now with that camera system. And it's honestly uh, for what I shoot often, not wide enough. And I'll tell you what I shoot with it. Um, I have a ongoing personal project I've been doing for like the last three years, which is um, street parked images in uh, street parked cars in the boroughs, but not like any car, 
Like I'm looking for those classic (laughs) cars, those muscle cars, uh, the older cars, rusty, big land yachts from the seventies. Like my, my timeframe for cutoff is usually the eighties or very early nineties. If it's like, you know, uh, like a Japanese sports car or something like that, or, or like maybe a Porsche, like an S like a 928 S4. Those are things that are newer that I'll consider. Um, so I, I just kind of wander around, you know, Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn. Uh, if I'm in the Bronx, I, I check out up there, too. Uh, I don't go to Staten Island really ever, so I haven't done any street parking in, in Staten Island. <laughs> but, um, you know, if I was there, I would do it. Um, so that's that's kind of been the focus. So that's what I'm walking around shooting in that 23, while you think that's a 35-millimeter lens on a, on a, a full-frame. Uh, 35 sounds wide enough, but not on New York City streets. Yeah, so right. I actually need that 16 millimeter and I actually want uh, that 16 millimeter one four because one of the drawbacks with APS-C cameras is you have less depth of field because it's yeah. a smaller sensor. Yeah. Yeah. So while F2 in my head, I was like, oh, it'll be fine. And it wasn't really, but I've taken home the 16 one four from rentals, which is one of the wonderful things about working in a store that has a rentals department. It's just like, what do I want to try this weekend? Amazing. Um, I can bring home the lenses and test drive them and know before I actually purchase anything. So that's my digital. Um, that's in my backpack pretty much every day. And then um, I go back and forth between uh, my film carry camera. And it's either an Olympus 35RC, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a rangefinder, oh, yeah. analog controls, uh, the meter and it's busted. So I've got a little Voigtlander VC <laughs> speed meter. Um so I got that that I'll carry around, or more recently, uh, my colleague John Schlesinger at PhotoCare gave me uh, as my as a birthday present last year his old Olympus XA. Oh, cool! Because that's Ooh. one of the few cameras I actually regret selling. So I've I've had cameras in my life that have come in and gone out, and I had an XA two, uh, and I used it, but I had kind of given up on thirty five millimeter for a while. Because scanning them on my Epson uh, V750, sucks. it's okay, but it's not great. So, yeah. you know, I would just, if I was shooting film, it would be any of my medium yeah. format cameras or large format. But recently, um, I became the caretaker of a circa 1999 uh, Flex Type Precision 2. Uh, so I can scan 35 millimeter with a virtual drum scanner now, and 35 millimeter makes sense again. <laughs> Interesting. So, Hold on. So, this yeah. is, what is this? Because I've never even heard of this. It's it's a it's it's a flex type precision two scanner. It's what became the Hasselblad uh, X one okay. and X five. Got it. So it's, it's the same uh, it's the same type of thing. It's massive. Tall, have, right? A, Weird, tall looking. Yeah. Okay, I've seen it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It looks tall. like a piece. It's like a piece of art. Yeah. <laughs> it's a piece of art, absolutely. And it's got uh, you know it's a SCSI connection, so I have a legacy G four connected to oh it. Oh my god, uh, man. Which is hilarious that the G4 boots up quicker than my 12-core Mac Pro Tower or my 2016 laptop. Uh, right. There's, just there's nothing, nothing to load. Running run that OS 10.1 or something, right? Like OS 9. OS 9. Oh, dang, even better. Classic. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love OS 9. Um, but yeah, so I so 35 millimeter actually makes sense for me to shoot again. Yeah. So that's 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 what would be like things that I would normally carry on a daily basis. Interesting. So you're real quick, your Instagram, which is Anthony Philip Festa. Yeah, and it's it Philip up. with one L. Yes. Yeah, Philip with one L. So your your Instagram is predominantly these street 
shots of cars predominantly yeah so predominantly uh so monday through friday are pretty much always digital shots and they're almost always automotive in one way or another Mm -hmm. so it'll either be the street park stuff or um automotive events i go to so either you know i'm not going necessarily to cars and coffee or supercar meets or anything like that uh but i try to head to I seek out older cars. Um, so if I go like to the Syracuse Nationals, I'm not looking at anything that's modern. I'm looking at the muscle cars. Totally. I'm looking at things that were, you know, the newest thing is maybe from the 80s, like a, a G-Body Malibu or something like that. It's like the newest thing that I'm into. <laughs> um, or or I, I've, I've gone and photographed Trog a number of times now, the race gentleman mm-hmm. down in Wildwood, New Jersey on the beach, which is all pre-war hot rods and motorcycles. Um, so sometimes I'll blend that stuff in. And then my weekend format uh, for Instagram is something either shot on film or instant film. Nice. So, you know, gotcha. it, it'll, it'll, I'll, I'll shift and change. Sometimes I'll throw some digital landscapes in during midweek. Uh, sometimes I'll throw a film shot of a car in midweek. Um, so you got a plan though. See, that's the difference between someone who's a working photographer who wants to plan out and have like a nice theme and me who I just make images because I like them. And if you like them, cool. And if somebody wants to buy a print, even better. But it's I don't I don't think it out that hard. Then again, I'm probably shortchanging myself. I do spend a decent amount of time thinking about what gets posted when. (laughs) (laughs) I don't necessarily look at what the overall grid looks like, but it's funny. um, And then and then in your story. You take <laughs> viewer submissions. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. So what wound up happening is, and how that started is friends of mine in Brooklyn used to send me cars and be like, yo, I just found this one. Come to the neighborhood. This is where it's at. <laughs> and uh, I, great in theory, right. <laughs> uh, but I just often couldn't get there because, you know, I've got a daughter at home. Yeah. So when I'm done with work. I don't live in Bushwick. I don't live in Ridgewood. You know, those are places I'd have to take a different train to get out, do it. And then that's an extra hour getting late. So unless like I could bulk them all up and go drive and find them on a weekend, which also happens. uh, That's often how um, I actually, I actually captured two weeks worth of uh, uh, posts uh, two Saturdays ago. In just one day. going out like i had to go into manhattan i had to pick some stuff up from photo care so on the way home i drove through downtown brooklyn dumbo like sunset park oh, and i got enough shots for two weeks that's awesome you know it, it's 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 that but yeah so i have friends friends send me stuff and now i just credit them with the shot so it's what they found and submitted and then if i happen to be in that neighborhood i go look for it interesting because I am not a yeah. car guy by any means. I don't know shit about <laughs> cars. I drive it because it gets me places. But right. I have sent in submissions to you because I remember I was in Sausalito like uh, a couple months ago. And there was, uh, I sent you, what was that? Uh, yeah. A rusted out. Uh, it was a Bronco yes. or? No, no, it was an international scout. Scout. If I remember right. Uh, but like yeah. I literally was walking down the street with five other people. And I was like, sorry, we have to stop. I have to go across the street and take a picture of this. <laughs> Because I have to send it to my friend. Yeah. And everybody was like, okay, I guess so. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's it's very addicting. I'm not into cars, but I find myself like scrolling through your feed all the time because it's just like, it's a really interesting project. Like it's just cars parked on the street, but it's there's something about it that's like. It's it's really cool. Like I'm looking at, I'm like you're- cruising through them now. I'm like, I'm kind of nerding out here. But like, there's like the shot in Coney Island and it's like, 
you have this 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 Electra, this Buick Electra, like this land barge from the seventies. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and yep. it's just like it's just hanging out like next to like a cavalier, like a what is it, a Malibu, right. you know, like a regular <laughs> ma- Chevy, ma- like regular car. Modern, so yeah, it, yeah. It's, it, it's there's something about that whole um, that whole jarring disposition of shiny classic. Like that, I actually saw that that Electra from a block away. The yellow actually helps. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, I've kind of gotten to a point where I can spot a car on a block from a block away and know it's going to be something I want to photograph, <laughs> just because I rec- I, I, I connected with cars when I was very young because of my father. And, you know, he grew up, came back from Vietnam, bought a '68 Roadrunner, went drag racing, still has the trophies in the in cool. the garage. Uh, you know, it was all we would. The way we connected growing up was going to car shows. So. That's the error of cars I really latched onto, and then now I've also really latched onto like hot rods and customs because of you know the guys that I met in Western New York. Um, but yeah, you know you see these things and they stick out, and it's 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 the whole slowly it's either the really preserved classic amazing ones are the story, or just the the cars themselves slowly slowly fading away because yeah. they're old yeah. and they uh, you know. They're in front of the house that hasn't been mowed, you know, and the trees haven't been trimmed and that kind of stuff. So there's it, they all tell stories. And I actually had never seen this book until I was actually into this project. But um, Langdon Clay did an amazing book in the early 70s. And it's um, I think it's just called Cars. <laughs> and it's all cars like street parked in um, uh, in in like Manhattan and some in Jersey. And it's all shot on like a. And it's all shot on Kodachrome. Oh, it's cool. Wow. And, I'll tell you right cool. now, it's cool. That, oh, no, it's one of my favorite books. And what's, what's different, though, and like his shots, especially with like trying to do this at night, are always in the forefront of my mind. But you can't get that beauty at night that he captured anymore. And the reason is um, all of the lighting sources were consistently the same back then. Yeah, so all yeah. the street lamps were the same. Uh, you know, it was either sodium vapor or you had tungsten or neon. Uh-huh. And all of those kind of fit in kind of the same world as far as color balance. Whereas today, you've got LED, you've got yeah, yeah. tungsten, you've got, yeah. you know, uh, sodium, everything. So night shots don't have that same beauty anymore, in my opinion. But I, I always try to think the way that he thought. Either tell the whole story, part of the story, or whatever it may happen to be. It's super cool. Um, and he was shooting Kodachrome, you said? Or... He was shooting Kodachrome with a with a Leica. Ad, it was an M. I don't remember which M. Probably Crazy. A, a six. It was a David Pino's mind is spinning now. I need to go shoot <laughs> cars. No, <laughs> it was it was a two year project from 1974 to 1976. Yeah, it's yeah, and yeah. it's insanely beautiful stuff. It does. I mean, it is like so you take one look at it. And, it like, also paints a picture of yep, the city at it. that time frame too. That's it. Man. You know, so. He, it, it's it's there's something it, it just tells the story of that era in new york yeah. and it's an amazing story Old storefronts um, so I, all that stuff yeah I, I i try to impart a little bit of that sometimes i don't sometimes i just make it about the car and i get excited right. uh sometimes i'm not as creative <laughs> but uh if we want to keep talking about gear i mean we haven't even touched the film cameras, the rest of the film cameras. <laughs> <laughs> you you I, so you are from what i can gather people send you shit that they don't want anymore and Absolutely. regardless of not regardless, but pretty much regardless of condition, you give it some love and you try to bring it back from the dead. I, I, I try to, you know, maybe maybe not try to fix them necessarily, right. but at least clean them up and give them a place of importance. Yeah. 
Uh, I find cameras to be absolutely beautiful pieces of art. Uh, you know, digital cameras today, maybe not as much until you get up and towards the digital medium format cameras. Um, that said, though, you know, a, a digital Leica can be beautiful. A digital Fuji can be beautiful. It just, it's not exactly the same thing. Yeah. Like, you pick, you pick up, like, you know, something like this Miranda right. or whatever. And, you know, like, look at this thing. It, it weighs a metric ton. Right. And, you know, if it hits you on the head, you're not getting up again. Yeah. Uh, but there's something so beautiful about these. So this this actually came from uh, my mother's cousin. Uh, he was an amateur photographer, and so was his, 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 uh, his wife. And they had 13 cameras uh, between film and... Uh, motion cameras like super uh, like eight millimeter cameras and stuff and they had just been sitting in a closet and my mom was just talking about how i like cameras and he's like i got all these things does he want them and yeah of course i want them <laughs> like they belonged in the family they belong to stay they shouldn't go to a thrift store that's cool well, and so, it's it's interesting because like i don't know i feel like every and every photographer out there and if you're listening listening like, like you'll you'll look around you and you'll see them it's like you, we all have that first camera you know, it's like the one that kind of started mm-hmm. it all for you, you know, yeah. and, and for those of us that are lucky enough to have those still around, like I keep, I keep a collection of old Pentax cameras on my desk that are from like certain people in my life throughout my, my, my child, my adolescence into my like early interest in photography. I'm like, yeah, that's the yeah. one that kicked, kicked it right. off. And it's like these, these machines, like they still work. They, I roll a couple of film, a couple of rolls of 35 through them every year. And it's like, they have stories. They've seen shit, you know, like. Yeah, it's more than there's just a picture, <laughs> right? There's something really. I'm like, I'm like fiddling with uh, with uh, this K1000. Like, <laughs> I look at this and I go, like, yeah, this yeah. is like, I got this from my my high school journalism teacher when I graduated, and he was like, yeah, that's, so, awesome. that's yeah, good. it's like yeah. it's like it's like shit like that. And I think every yeah. every photographer worth their way has like they can think back to a camera that did that yeah. for them. It's fun, oh, absolutely. It's funny because I didn't get into photography until way way later in life. I was in my twenties, and. But I remember as a kid, I, and I mean a little kid, like we're talking like probably seven or eight years old. Somebody gave me a Minolta Weathermatic A, okay. the 110 cartridge. And it was an underwater camera. It was yellow. And I just <laughs> thought, this is the greatest thing ever. Because first of all, you could take it underwater. So like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I could take pictures underwater in a pool. like, yeah. And I took tons of pictures with it. And then of course, you know, I'm sure I got like a new cardboard box and the camera went by the wayside and I started playing with the cardboard box or whatever the fuck it was. But, <laughs> but like, but I, I still think about that camera and every time I see one in a thrift shop or something, I'm like, I should buy that. And now they're like, you know, yeah. 15 bucks. You can get them for nothing. But like yeah. that to me, every time I see it, I think like, shit, I wish I had stuck with it. Cause I wonder what would have happened with my life if I had just taken <laughs> pictures from seven years old on who knows where I'd be right now. Right. <laughs> But yeah, they do. They transport you to someplace and it's like, it's not just the photo. Sometimes it's, you know, I get, it's funny. People always say like, it's not about the gear. It's not about, right? Everybody who says that. I get so inspired by the gear. Like, and I've said this a million times on here and and on YouTube and everything, but like when I get a new piece of gear, I think to myself, what kind of amazing shit can I do with this? Like when I bought my phase from you, like I remember when I got that, I was like, fuck i need to do i need to do something with this camera like i can't just like go take it out of my job monday morning i need to do something with it and like it 
in, I actually ended up getting on a plane. I flew to Florida and I took a portrait of my grandmother. That's what I did with it. Nice. And uh, yeah. And, and thank God I did because like, holy shit, you know, like, and it, and it doesn't matter. Like that camera is, is, you know, nowadays digital is quite disposable. Like I'm sure I will trade that camera in, in a couple of years and get a new one and not think twice about it. But like, I don't know. It, it sometimes the gear does something and it makes you want to go out and do stuff and find stuff and take pictures and start projects. And I think that's, that's, what's amazing about it. It's aspirational, right? Like, I mean, like, you know, I, I, I think any photographer or any person that does what we do and is kind of in the trenches of it, I think they'd be lying if they said like owning a phase is not on their, their, their things I wish I can do someday. Right. And like, it's an, it, it, I feel like for as much crap as we give about the whole, like, it's not about the gear, like the gear to your point, David, is it, it empowers you to feel that creativity. And if that's what it takes and that's what it takes, right. but like, I don't know. I I think that's the reason why you're seeing like this renaissance of film again. It's because it it's the act of of making. It's the act yeah. of doing. It makes you think yeah. about it. You know, like it's running through those paces, it, and it's fun. You know, like there's we have a generation that grew up the, on digital. They've never held a picture. Yeah, and now yeah. all of a sudden they found this, and they're like, "Oh shit, this is cool!" Like this I can cool. touch this and hold this. I was actually <laughs> yeah. just watching like old. We started watch, rewatching The Sopranos because we have lots of free time. And there's this scene in The Sopranos where Furio comes, he buys a house and he comes over and he, and he says to Camarilla, you want to see pictures of my house? And she goes, oh, I'd love to see him. And he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out, he pulls out a whole stack of photos. And I was like, holy shit, that guy just pulled photographs out of his pocket. Like actual prints. There wasn't a phone. There wasn't like, I forgot about that. Yeah. You used to carry pictures with you and show people. Like, yeah. How novel. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's actually part of the reason why I wanted to do these 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 the port the instant film yeah. portrait series is to have these tangible prints so talk about this real quick cause, because cause sure you, you're so you started this project when you were told to stay home two months ago basically right yeah yeah well i, I started the portrait one at the beginning of may okay. uh the other one i started and i haven't developed any of the film you know uh from the other stuff but i wanted to have these moments and i was like i could do this with digital but i'll just never do anything with yeah. it like, I'll never print them. I won't hold them. It, I won't make a book of them. Whereas these, scan them, print them, make a book, uh, it, it, it's, it, it, there is absolutely something tangible. And, you know, to, to, the, to the conversation about gear, it, gear doesn't matter, but it does. Right. You know, when people say, oh, I've got to have this one because this is what the pro uses, you don't. Uh, you can make any image happen with any camera that's a given they're all tools it all comes down to how how do you want to and how do you need to work and what camera fills that niche so that's why i've got multiple different digital cameras uh i've got multiple different film cameras um i have everything access you know i've got a phase one at the house right now and i gotta say i haven't used it more than three times since we've been here for two months but i also haven't gone outside all that right. much Right, right. <laughs> you know. um, but now as things are starting to change things you know i i'm i i have a project lined up that i am going to do with that camera because i also need the files as test files gotcha. but i've been focusing more on like my personal projects right now with film uh like that polaroid 600 se yeah. i bought for my friend uh i was like okay i don't need this camera but I can very specifically do Project X with this camera that I can't do any other way. 
uh, I've always enjoyed making uh, instant images of cars at car shows, but I can't do any of uh, street parking with instant because, you know, my Konica lens is too long. Right, right. It's a 110 millimeter lens. So on that format, that's a normal. I can't back up far enough on the street with the 600 SE if I can find a 75 millimeter lens. Yep. Uh, see, here's the rub. I actually thought that the Mamiya Universal Press 65, which a friend of mine owns, fits on the Polaroid because they're the same camera. <laughs> Except, no, nope. they changed the mounts between the Mamiya version and the Polaroid version, so I can't. Um, so I'm, I've been like stalking eBay trying to find that 75mm lens so I can make some, some street park boards. But that was when I saw that camera, and my friend was like, all right, I'll give it to you at this price. Make, it, make something neat with it. Make a neat project with it. And send me a print at some point, and I was like, without a doubt, dude, this is this is this is this is golden, and I still intend on making car images happen with that. But like looking at that camera in my house, you know, and and I was like, all right, I got to do these portraits, and I was like, that one, and it's it's been great. That's cool. And that camera's been, you know, filling that need. I even pulled out my old plastic fantastic Andy Warhol favorite Big Shot, <laughs> and I've got a couple of flash cubes left, and I've been using that thing too. Um, you know, it's, 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 I still got, you know, listen, I, I still have my RZ that I bought. Mm-hmm. I will never get rid of that. Um, I've got a Fuji GSW 690, you know, with a 28 millimeter equivalent wide angle lens. So big Texas Leica six by nine. Super mag. cool. Um, love using it. Don't use it that often, but I've been kind of taking that out and doing some street stuff with it. I hadn't done a lot of street parking with film, but I've started doing it more this year. Um, I got a Mamiya 7 because while I love my RZ and I love the 6.7 Neg and I love the image characteristics out of a Mamiya lens, the RZ just got to a point where it was too heavy for oh, me dude. to bring to the events when I was photographing automotive. That camera is like uh, a Russian tank. And oh, absolutely. I have an RB and I love yep. it. I love it. Yep. But I can't bring it anywhere. It's no. like... Oh, it, it's a studio camera yeah. or it's you travel by car. Like when I was in my 20s, sure, I carried that around Manhattan streets, yeah. no problem. But, you know, I've got a bad shoulder over right. here now. and Probably uh, from the fucking know, RZ. Probably from RZ. <laughs> it's actually from Crashing Mountain Biking, but, you know. <laughs> it's, it's funny, though. Like I laugh when, when people are like, you know, they talk about the new Sony A7, whatever, and they're like, it's like, it's so heavy. I'm like, Go screw yourself. Go yeah, screw like you yourself. Don't even know. You have no idea. You don't even know. <laughs> I, I picked up uh, the Mamiya 7 so I could still have my full digital kit cool. and have a, a film camera that I could bring to these events, and I bought the 65mm lens on that, and it's perfect. That's cool. And, but everything's a different thing. It's like, all right, how do I want to shoot today? Okay, which, which, which camera do I have, or which camera exists out in the world that's going to work for that? Yeah. You know, like if I was going to do a project that I knew was going to be exclusively a black and white project, I would want a monochrome camera because I know that it's going to be sharper. Yeah. So be that either a phase one monochrome or a Leica monochrome if I was shooting 35 mil, you know, I would want to go that route. So every every camera that's out there is a tool that can yield different results and, and can absolutely inspire you to make certain things happen. Yeah. Whereas other cameras may not. It's totally right tool for the job type shit. And I think that's something that's overlooked a lot nowadays in photography as a whole, because, you know, every camera that's coming out is touting that it can do everything. And it's, you know, it can be in broad daylight. It can be in low light. It can be shoot 4k video. It can, I mean, it can literally do everything you want, but it doesn't maybe do each one as well as 
like what you're saying, like this camera is really good at this. And so I'm going to use that camera because I want to use the best possible camera to capture that. And so I think that's important. Like people, people, A, don't even know it or they've forgotten it at this point. And it's like, you should think yeah. about that. There's other shit out there. And sometimes there it's not the right camera, you know? Like, I, I remember when I bought my phase and people, you know, like my uncle was like, man, bring it over to Thanksgiving. I want to see it. And I was like, I'll bring it, but you're you're not going to like not. it. And there we were, like, you know, 12,000 ISO or whatever, whatever it maxes yeah, like, out at, shoot the, shooting shitty shoot pictures. In a I was dark like, room with candles. You're yeah. Like, ah. Unless you've got a, <laughs> a, you know, a strobe with you, you're not going to want to shoot that camera inside anywhere. So, right. you know, it's shit like that. It's like, <laughs> The, you know, and I'm, and I'm not saying that like you should only have one trick ponies, you know, a hundred of them, but it's fun to work that way. Sometimes it's fun to be like, Oh, I'm going to shoot this. I need this camera for it then. Yeah. And that's, that's where like a shop like us can come in too, because if you have a certain, a certain, you know, thing that you're trying to accomplish and you don't think that your camera can do it, you call up a pro level shop yeah. Yeah. who's had the years of experience yep. and we can guide you to the right piece. And if you don't want to buy that piece, that's cool. Yeah. Because we have it in rentals, yeah. you know, and try that piece out or just try it out before you buy it. Maybe you realize, you know, you've lusted after, you know, camera brand, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, because everybody, all the reviews look great. You want to come in and demo it in the store, shoot in the area that the shooting area. Cool. Yeah. You want to walk down to Madison Square Park? We'll do that, too. Uh, you want to go on the roof? No problem. I've never been um, offered to go on the roof. Well, that's because I don't like you that much. <laughs> Bullshit. You haven't bought enough stuff yet. <laughs> what more can it's I buy from this man? Now. It's only for premium level clients, David. <laughs> you haven't hit that threshold yet. No, I know. Next time you're in, you want to go on the roof? We'll go on the roof. No, no, I'm not coming back. <laughs> no, there is something though about, honestly, because, you know, I was one of those guys who just, I just went to B&H for years. Right? And then this is, by the way, PhotoCare is not sponsoring this. Like, this is not a thing. You know, we're not like, sorry. Like, I just happened to buy some shit there. Um, but like, there is a difference when you walk into a camera store like that as compared to just like sitting online and, you know, reading the B&H blog and then going like, yeah, I'm going to buy that one. You know, like yeah. the fact that I can call someone or the fact that like, you know, the the last camera I brought, I mean, or bought, you, you called me and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to have it here before it comes out. You can come hold it and play with it and do whatever. And I was like, oh shit. Like I made a trip into New York just to hold this camera to make sure that like this was going to work for me and it did what I wanted to do. And like, you couldn't, yeah. you can't get that in most big box retailers. They're not going to do that. They're, gonna, they're not going to take you up on the roof. They're not going to let you walk around the street. They're not going to let you hold it. It's just, do you want it or not? And so I think that there's something to be said for that mentality that goes on there and, and all of the guys that work there and girls and whatnot. It's just, you know, I don't know. There's something about it. It's, it, it's, it helps that they're camera nerds, you know, it's totally. like, it's like, I don't know. Like I, I price shop and I look at uh, Adorama as often as like as next, much as the next guy, but like, there's an element of like, well, I have a question now Right. when I get, when I'm like, when I'm like deep into it, like, okay, well, what happens? What do these files look like in capture one? How do they react to the luminosity slider? Do am I, am I going to get what I want out of this? Is like, is that something that works? Does it even tether to that? Like, right. you know, it, these are the things that I, I, I want to ask and I'm not certain. And I think, I, I think that like the, the customer service element, like it goes double X for the rental. If you're looking to rent something, because at that point you're like, Hey, here's what I have to do. I'm going to do this thing. I want to do this project. I have to shoot this, this thing. Here's what I was thinking. Am I crazy? Do I need anything else? Yeah. And, and that's where like having a camera nerd you can go, ah, eh, have you thought about this? What about that? Yeah. yeah. 
which is which is funny because in in the early days of my career that's all i did all day long <laughs> so you know and 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 when i did rentals at capture integration the people were still willing to have a conversation about it but what i found so interesting in such a short period of time when i came back to the industry in new york and was at fast ashley's the customer base at that time no longer wanted to have a gear discussion they're like this is what I need. I need it as cheap as possible. Well, I can give you this, which is actually better and cheaper. How about we go that route? No. And then they just wouldn't even rent it. <laughs> they would go somewhere else because somebody was willing right. to, just give me what you I know, got the price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give them what they want at the price they wanted. Uh, and I found out very quickly that there were no, those conversations, at least there, didn't really happen anymore. And I kind of talked to some of the other people in similar roles at other places, and they're like, oh, yeah, no, it's just a give them what they're asking for game because most folks don't care about that conversation because it's no longer it, it was no longer the photographer making that call. It was mm-hmm. now the the producer or the the second assistant yeah. making the gear request. So they're like, "This is what I was told. This is what I want." Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was it. And that was a little that was a little because that was an aspect of that job that I really enjoyed yeah. was having that conversation and i didn't have it and that was one of the reasons why the rentals game just got so soul crushing for me that i didn't want to do it anymore and when i was offered this opportunity to do the tech support the training and have that you know technical training um role again i was like oh yeah absolutely (laughs) and i feel way more fulfilled because when i help david you know with something as simple as turning you know the light on because he didn't you know remember that it was a tool in the camera or you know helping a customer figure out on, a, on an XF how to utilize the focus stacking tool or any of those things so they can solve a problem that they're happening having, it makes me feel so good about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's got to be rewarding. It's fun. It's fun yeah. to solve problems. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> so what do you have coming up uh, with PhotoCare? What are you teaching now or next or... So I've um I have kind of put a little bit of a pause on the on the uh, software trainings right now. We did a whole lot of them hot and heavy in the beginning because yeah. they were the easiest thing to roll out. Uh, it took us a little while to kind of and everybody else a little while to kind of figure out and shift. So we're we're spending most of the webinar time now uh, doing either uh, hardware demos mm-hmm. on specific topics. Um, or, uh, we're, we're going to do those on like Tuesdays. And then on Thursdays, we're going to be doing like an artist talk series. So we've been inviting some of the, some of, uh, the, the, the customers at PhotoCare to, to do talks. We're actually starting with Mark Mann, oh, nice. uh, next week. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, awesome. the PhotoCare events page has all that info cool. as far as what we're doing. And we're going to keep doing at least two a week up until, you know, we open back up and we're actually going to try and segue this whole artist conversation series into something that we continue even when we're back in the store amazing and i actually foresee us having to do these hardware demos remotely as well because even if they open up new york city in two weeks or whatever it is three weeks like i do not imagine people are going to be coming to the store well the the protocols that are going to be in place are going to be such that it's probably going to be maybe curbside pickup or you know, no more than two people in the store at a time. So it's not going to be the old right. have 30 people in the <laughs> store. And this is the demo we're talking about today. So we're, we're trying to transition and shift that. And uh, because I'm technically brained, I'm kind of assuming a little bit of um, project manager roles on all of these webinars. So while I may not necessarily be hosting them, I'm helping make sure they happen. Uh, so I've been spending a lot of time setting that stuff up and reaching out to people and, cool. you know, managing our, 
our project management software and all that right. stuff. All the fun yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I do have to say, like, all of this has helped keep me sane during this time period. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh, having, having a schedule, having a routine, coming into my office, you know, Monday to Friday, like, I, I come in here around 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm out by 4.30, 5 o'clock, depending on what's going on. You know, I take my lunch break, but I'm in here, and, I'll, and, and I'm working, and having that has afforded me the ability to not get as crazy and as down about this Hell situation. Yeah. And I, I needed it though. Like I needed to build yeah. that structure in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's super true. We, we've, we found that out real quick around here. Like, uh, you know, week one, when everything went down, I was still, well, first of all, I, I don't ever leave my studio. So like quarantine is, that's my day to day, you know, like I just do that. <laughs> and, but my wife right. lost her shit for the first two weeks. Yeah. You know, she was like, right. she's always on the road. And she was like, right. what just happened? And, you know, eventually everything kind of leveled out and she realized like, oh, if I can make my own schedule and do this thing and I got to edit and do these things, and, you know, it all worked out. But, but yeah, I know a lot of people who just like kind of freaked for the first couple of weeks because they were like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so, uh, our daughter's school had actually let out the week before the rest of New York city shut down. Mm. And so that Monday, my wife just was like, well, I'm going to create, cause my daughter inherited it for me and she needs a schedule. And she was kind of like <laughs> freaking out. I'm not going to school. What? My wife, like sat down with Excel and programmed out even for her, like, all right, this is when we're doing this. This is when we're doing this. this and I mean, it's morphed and changed 16 times sure. since then, but like, it's, it's definitely helped us like stay in it yeah. and stay moving. Um, so it's, it's good. And the, and the personal projects are, 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 are key. Like I, I knew I needed to do something. So that's why I've been working on them. And I'm kind of curious to see what I will pick up as a personal project for June. Yeah. Uh, because I'll run out like, you know, I mean, I could continue doing, uh, the instant film thing forever, but at some point I'll run out of film, right. and I really want to save some of it for other projects. Yeah, because <laughs> there ain't no more left. So that's it. No, but when, in, the in, last in, of in, it. In, in referring back to uh, it's a uh, people like to send me old things they don't need. Uh, I've I've been fortunate enough that uh, some of my friends who have been in this industry forever that have boxes of film sitting around, be it instant or you know, Whatever. 120, 35 mil, four by five. Um, you know, they're like, Hey, yo, uh, Oh, I saw, I saw you in, in stories. You were showing some, some portraits that you're doing. I've got six boxes of instant. You want me to send it to you? Yes. I don't know if any of it works. <laughs> it's probably dead, but do you want it? I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. I'll test it. You know, yeah. like, of course. So I've, I've been extremely lucky in that regard to have some amazing thoughtful friends that were like, instead of being like, I can make a couple bucks on eBay. Yeah. Uh, or I can let a friend of mine continue to make work. So I, and I, and I, and I, res- I, I kind of share the love too on that stuff. Like when I'm running to other friends that are artists that I know work in instant film, I'll give them a pack that I know is going to work so they can keep creating and making too. That's cool. Um, because there's no, the reality is, is I sat on some of this instant for way too long. Uh, actually it, this, it, back in August, my wife and I were supposed to have gone on a route 66 road trip mm-hmm. and I was testing my instant film and I probably threw out 18 boxes of six, six, four because none of it worked. Uh, breaks my heart <laughs> completely. No, you, uh, I mean, my wife was just kind of watching me as I just took box <laughs> after box out and like the pile on the floor just grew uh, and grew uh, She's like, you okay? I'm like, I'm sad, yeah. but it is I'm what broken. it is. I'm broken. I'm <laughs> broken inside. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, 
I love the weirdness of some of that yeah. film too. Yeah. Uh, like I've got, like I said, that some of that FP 3000 B turned sepia. Yeah. I've got some Polaroid six, eight, nine that basically looks like the colors are inverted and cross and weird. <laughs> um, I've only got three boxes of that left. Um, I've actually, uh, you know, and, and I've got, you know, some, some six, six, nine, that's just kind of cyan. Right. Um, you know, an ID UV that's even more cyan. Uh, that, that was actually the ID, uh, camera film stock. So it's actually got a thicker base and a UV coat. Um, so I've got some of that stuff. That's a weird color and really, uh, it looks very painterly. Uh, but you spend half the pack trying to dial in your exposure before you take a picture. Right. Oh, and then when you load the next pack, it doesn't it's necessarily all mean it's all different. It's, yeah, 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 it's all yeah, yeah. different. Uh, Just when you thought you figured it out, it's like, yep, right. no. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, even when it comes to roll film, like all uh, the, the vast majority of the stockpile I sit on is from friends who used to take film home. So, you know, if, if you were familiar with the commercial uh, film set back in the day, at the end of the day, you know, the photographer would take home film or he'd give some to the assistants or whatever. So I have friends with boxes of really old 120, 35, that they're like, oh, don't shoot film anymore because why? You know, you want it and I'll take it and I will experiment with it. Um, I had never shot Agfa Scala in my life and it's been discontinued for how long now, but I wound up with four rolls of it and I've shot two thus far and it is an amazing film stock. (laughs) You know, like... Uh, uh, black and white uh, chrome like come on yeah like how cool is that <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so I, I just i mess around with all that and and it's 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 kind of kind of where i go i remember dropping my film off at a lab one time and um when i went to pick it up and the, the lab's gonna remain nameless but i've never gone there since and you'll understand why in a minute when i picked up the film the guy behind the counter said you know your film would look a lot better if you didn't use outdated film Oh Jesus! He, he actually said it. Your pictures would look better, and I'm like, uh, "Thanks, man." That's the whole. Point. That's the point, brother. That's the point. It's like I don't care. Like uh, you know, <laughs> this isn't a color story. It's not advertising. No. Like I'm not trying to like sell anything. Like I'm just trying to make images with what I got. See, and no, like, <laughs> this 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 Kodak, you know, 400 VC from 2004 isn't as punchy as it used to be, but you know what? It looks kind of neat. It's cool. It doesn't look like anything else. That's honestly, I never shot film ever. And I mean, you know, especially not professionally until like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I I finally bought like a film camera and started shooting. And that's because like day to day, like if I'm shooting, I'm on set, everything has to be perfect. Everything is minutely positioned and there's six people telling me that they don't like it and to move it a little bit more and right. And like, but I'm okay with that. I thrive in that environment. I actually like it a lot. I love shooting advertising stuff like that where people are like, where the agency is going like, I don't really know. And I'm going, well, okay, I can fix that. And you know, I dig that. But like when I go out and shoot on my own, the last thing I want to do is put digital camera in my hand now. I don't want to take 20 pictures of whatever and sift through it on my computer. And now I almost exclusively shoot film for personal i don't like i don't bring or if i do want a digital picture i take it on my phone that's you know i'm one of those guys i'm like i got my phone that covers me for like cool moments but everything else i'm shooting on film and i'm processing it myself and i'm doing it myself and i don't care when i fuck up the processing and there's air bubbles on a i'm like that's part of it that's unique part of it you know like i wish i hadn't done that but it's unique and it's mine and nobody else has it so that's why i like it man 
that's actually home processing is one thing that I am currently not doing. And I actually often, because friends, they, they know that I shoot film and I still do film. And they're always like, do you process at home? And I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> I got, I, I live in a queen's apartment. <laughs> I've got three cats. Uh, like just not going to happen. Like they either, they're going to see it hanging in the, in the, in the, in the, in the bathtub <laughs> and they're going to try and get at it. Or it's going to be coated in dander totally. and cat hair, yeah. even though I vacuum it like every other day. Yeah, not worth it. <laughs> No, it's not, it's not going to happen. I, I, you know, I, while yes, I know how to, uh, I just frankly don't have the time. Yeah. No, it's a giant pain can, in the I ass. Can, <laughs> yeah. I can, I can drop it off at CRC yeah. in Manhattan on my way to work and pick it up on my way home and it's done, yeah. you know, and then start scanning it that night or three years later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just discovered rolls of film that I shot of my daughter the day after she was born that I had processed never scanned never did anything oh, Jesus. with wow and that was the mother's that's day fun. gift for my wife like this that's year. yeah that's the gift that keeps on giving right like yeah. oh man i love that <laughs> <laughs> anthony you know i, I really I, see i think that what's so cool about all of this i mean all of the the gear talk the the your professional transition your career path what i really love about all of this is you know i think that sometimes there's this unnecessary pressure that we face in the photography creative world that like oh you like photography you have to become a photographer you have to right. do this you have to be constantly creative you have to sell yourself you got to do and like what i love about your story is that you are a you are a technical you you have technical mastery of what you do you know that you know cameras and the way that they work and the way that they respond to things better than most photographers do right Probably, Shut yeah. up, dude! And, Why are you gonna and, call me out yeah. like that? <laughs> and and you you love you love the art, you know, because you you have personal projects, you you do your own work, you, you know, like that kind of thing. But you've completely you found your livelihood without having to be the guy that says I'm a photographer, pay me to do things, you know, like. And I that's what I love about what, this whole this whole talk that we've had. It's that, you know, if there's anyone out there that is listening that goes, you know, like, I love cameras and I love photography and I love being creative, but I don't, I don't, I don't have the desire to be that type of creative or like, I don't yeah. want to have to chase the thing. Yeah. Yeah. There is a, there is a path for which you can A, be successful, do what you love to do oh, yeah. and, you know, have a damn good time doing it. Absolutely. And, and and so that's what I really love about that. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think if anyone that's listening for today's episode kind of pulls anything out there from this, it's you should distill that, like, love the art, l you know, learn the learn the craft, be a lifelong student of that. And, and there's only good things that can come. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm super thankful for you coming on the show. I think this is uh, it's just a great conversation. I mean, I'll nerd out with cameras any day of the week, but... <laughs> Uh, no, I really appreciate you being on the show, and uh, yeah, uh, I, awesome having you on. Yeah, man. Ashton, David, thank you so much. This was really fun. Uh, please note, you can always get me to pretty much nerd out about cameras <laughs> at any time. So. <laughs> Feel free to call. <laughs> Y'all, for out there in listener land, you need to go uh, jump on Instagram, and you want to look up An Anthony. It's it's Philip with one L, Festa. F-E-S-T-A. So go out and look, look him up, uh, follow him, follow along with the car project. 
send him send him the ones that you see out there in the in the open out in the wild um, i love it I, I, what's funny is i now have started getting them from people i don't necessarily know we're about to we're about to blow you up you're, you're about to get seven more uh-huh. <laughs> three of which will be from yeah, us. exactly awesome hey i'm into it um but yeah follow him out there uh take a look at his work and then obviously you know if you are a working professional out there and you need a hand um with the technical bits do call photo care up call up anthony ask him the questions you know do that part because i think that you know it's 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 part of learning the craft and, and building that network and becoming part of that creative conversation that we're always trying to like do here on this show so uh anthony thank you thanks thank man. you thank you thank you Ashton, thanks. Dave, thanks. Pleasure, dude. Appreciate it, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Anthony was incredible to spend so much time with us and to kind of just walk us through uh, his career path. And I I said it in the interview, and I I mean it now. Like, I think it's so cool to see that, you know, if you're a creative out there and you love a certain aspect of that process, you know, there's a career path that you can build. You don't have to do you know, it doesn't have to be as clear cut as like, I like photos. I have to be a photographer, right. you know, like hundred percent. there's an entire, there's an entire ecosystem of people that can support, um, support each other in those roles in the in, in industry. And so I think it's super important for, for anyone listening to kind of extract that out of it. Yeah. Um, just cause I think that that's, it's wild. He's like a, he's a, a learner. He's a lifelong learner of the art. Um, you know, he nerds out on the technical, which makes him incredibly invaluable on a set. Um, and you know I, I i think that that's that's really wild yeah anyway that's gonna do it for us here at the office hours podcast we very much appreciate you guys listening on and uh, buckling in for a long one if you like this podcast share it with a friend because you know sharing is caring mm-hmm. and that's what we do here um and uh, we'll uh, see you guys in the next one hell yeah peace peace, peace.